0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. To the book of Proverbs, and we're going to continue being in Proverbs only for the next couple weeks. I will mention, um, here in a uh, mu- month and a half, two months, we will be getting out of Proverbs and moving to... The book of First Thessalonians. Going to go to the New Testament and working through the book of First Thessalonians. So, just want to give you a heads up on that. If you're interested in getting one of those ESV uh, journals, those ESV Bible journals to take notes as we go through the book of First Thessalonians verse by verse, let me know. I'm going to order a few of them, and uh, I don't, I don't think they're much. But if you order it through the church, you'll get um, a little bit off. Uh, certainly tax, and then I think you also get a, a discount um, going through the church. But anyway, let me know if that's something you want to get. I think it's like maybe four bucks, and, and I, th- I find it helpful to journal um, alongside the text. But that'll be starting, I think, first week in March or late February. We'll be going through that book. For now, we need to finish up Proverbs. If you remember, if you've been with us for pff, probably six months now, in Proverbs, uh, the first nine chapters of the book are a bunch of letters for Rehoboam before he takes the throne to be the king of Israel, written by the wisest man who's ever lived, Solomon. And, he wrote, and the first nine chapters are just a compilation of letters to his son preparing him for the throne. And then chapters 10 through 29, thats really, the next 19 chapters, are what you and I No Proverbs to mainly be about. It's what Proverbs is best known for. Those bite-sized nuggets of wisdom, right, on a variety of topics. And so we really just honed in on a few of those topics, looked at a a handful of scriptures um, of what Solomon has to say on those topics from chapters 10 through 29. Now we're going to move on to the, the last two chapters of the book. That's Proverbs 30 and Proverbs 31, You'll find those not to be like the chapters before it. Instead, they're actually two poems written by two different people. It's not by Solomon anymore, written to Rehoboam, but they're poems written from different people. And so today, we're going to start to work through Proverbs 30. Now, Proverbs 30, I tried to write one sermon on it, and there's just a lot there. There's a lot there, and so we're going to spend a few weeks on Proverbs 30, that first poem, and today we're just going to get started on it, okay? The first part of the first poem, uh, we'll be looking at Proverbs 30, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it to start with, and then we'll, we'll just walk through it tonight, okay? This is what the Word of God says. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 1, the words of Agur, son of Jaca, the oracle, The man declares, I am weary, O God. I'm weary, O God, and I'm worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in his garments? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. This is the word of God. Maybe that felt a little confusing at first. That's okay. It felt pretty confusing to me when I first read it. If you feel like, no, actually I feel pretty good. Good for you. Good for you. So we can tell from just the very first part of verse 1 that this is a new author, right? It's not Solomon to Rehoboam, but it's rather this man named Agar, son of Jaca. And I'll start by um, telling you all that we know about Agar. There it is. We know nothing about this man. We know nothing of him, and and um, and yet he's an author in the Bible. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that that's genuinely crazy. It's not surprising to me that, that Solomon wrote some of scripture, or or King David, or or Peter or Paul. These make sense. But Agar, son of Jaca, not mentioned anywhere else. Not only in Scripture, but anywhere that we have preserved in writing from the ancient world, nothing. We know nothing of him. Other than what we get in Proverbs thirty. I think firstly that's just that's just really neat, Um, but two, it teaches us something that God uses what we would maybe label as people as nobodies. We maybe would call him he's he's a nobody in, in history. And yet God uses such people. He uses such people who are lost in history to do great things and have a great impact on the world thousands of years later for the glory of God. And so just be encouraged by that. If you're like, it's just little old me, I'm going to one day die and be forgotten, live in Bethany. God uses such people for the glory of God. I think that's encouraging to me. I hope that's encouraging to you. So that's the author is Agur, and he wrote an oracle, an oracle. And now that's certainly not common language for you and I, but it's really another word for a prophecy, which is a word from God to a man spoken to other men and women. A prophecy or an oracle is God giving revelation to somebody that they would share it with others. And so that's what Agur has received and is now delivering in the form of a poem. It's a prophecy. It's an oracle. And it's kind of hard to summarize this whole oracle, uh, all of chapter 30, but I'll I'll say for now, it's just, it's a bunch of lists that seem to be very disjointed. You'll see later that he has two prayers. Um, There are three things that he finds not satisfied In verse 15, there are three things that are more wonderful than he can imagine. Verse 18, there are four things which are small but really powerful. Verse 24, and he just lists them. Ants, a badger, and he just gives a bunch of different lists of seeming topics that that don't seem to mesh very well. We'll work through those in later weeks. Today, though, there's no list, the first six verses of the, of the oracle. Today is really just a humble prayer from a humble man to an almighty God. Really, today's main point is just the fact that, like Agur, we are not enough. And yet we can look to a God who is. We are not enough. We are insufficient, we are inadequate. We are lowly, and yet we look to him who is adequate, sufficient, and mighty. That's really the main point, I think, of these, of these six verses, and, uh, and we're going to walk through them uh, now. But re- really the first three verses, if we're looking back at the text, the first three verses are Agar's humble state. He's just, he's just going to elaborate on how lowly and how humble he really is if you're just looking at verse 1, let's just stick it with verse 1 for right now. He really talks about how weary and worn out he is. You know that feeling? Weary and worn out. That's how lowly, how, how feeble. He's just recognizing his humble state right now before God. And he starts with just saying, I'm weary, God. I am weary, God. I'm worn out. So maybe you know what it's like to be just worn down and tired. Right? Maybe you feel like Muhammad Ali, not not strong and world famous, but constantly taking blows to the head in life and just trying to stay standing. Yeah. Maybe it's just your fight against sin. You're just feeling like you keep losing that battle. You just can't get a one up on it. Or, or maybe it's just the circumstances in life. I mean, as simple as I got a flat tire, and then I get a speeding ticket after I fix it, and and then I spill my coffee when I walked out, and it's just one thing after another, and I just can't catch a break. And there could be a million things that just would make you say, "I am weary, I'm worn out." For Agar, as we'll find here in the in, in just a little bit, upcoming verses think for him, it was that he was chasing God. He was chasing God, and he just felt distant still. Like, he just wasn't getting anywhere, any closer to him. And he said, I'm tired of this. Maybe you felt that before. Just in morning devos, just trying to be a good Christian, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to really read a psalm. And it just feels dry. It just feels pressured it doesn't feel like a spiritual high like i'm really wishing it would or maybe maybe you come to church you come to worship service being obedient to god and you just feel nothing if anything it's just you're distracted with a million other things on your mind you Ever feel that And I think that's Agar. He's chasing after God. He he wants to love God. He he wants to to be a good God follower, and yet he's just tired because it's not happening. He feels weary. He's supposed to throw his hands in the air and say, you know what, I've tried and nothing is working. What in the world, God? He's weary. He's worn out with this effort. And to that, before we move on to... The later verses. Just on this whole idea of being weary and worn out. Regardless what you're weary from. I think It's really amazing that Christ invites us to come to him. With our weariness. Whether it's for the first time. Or if it's for the thousandth time. He says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden who labor. I'll give you rest. And that's, that's really Christ's invitation to you. you know, like, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've been saved for a long time. Hear me. It's Christ's invitation to you today. Come to him again. And then tomorrow, do you know what his invitation is to you? Come to me again. And the next day, come to me again. That's his invitation to all of us. Even if you've come to Him a million times and you're still weary and you're still tired, keep coming. Don't stop coming to Him. If it's because there's hardships in your life that you feel weary, I'd encourage you just just pray. Give me this day my daily bread. You know what that prayer means? It's just, I need what will get me through today. Give me the breath for the next second. Give me the strength in my leg to make the next step. Give me today, this day's bread. And I think that is such a noble and God-honoring prayer. God, I'm tired. I feel like I've been hit in the head a million times by life. I feel like I can't catch a break. God, I'm going to come to you and just ask you, please just give me the strength to, to make it through the next hour, two hours day. If it's you're weary because you feel unsettled with your relationship with God you just feel like you can't catch traction there I do want to encourage you that doubt in our faith has become um, it's like taboo. You just shouldn't have it and if you do don't talk about it. But can I tell you Doubt is very normal. It's a normal part of being human. So I just encourage you to allow yourself to have it and live with it. Really. Allow yourself to have it and live with it. Doubt doubt doesn't have to bring unbelief. Those are two different things. Doubt and faith are meant to live together. So you can, at the same time, love Jesus and still struggle with how all of it makes sense. And I think we can, we can live in that and find peace in that. So firstly, Agar just acknowledges, God, I am weary, I'm worn out, uh, I'm tired, and my, my tires are spinning here. But then secondly, not only does he admit he, he's just weak and tired and beat down, but he admits that he's just spiritually ignorant. He's, he doesn't know a lot. Verses 2 and 3. He says, surely I am too stupid to be a man. Do you know that one's, that one's in Scripture? <laughs> surely I am too stupid. I have not understanding. I have not learned wisdom. Nor I have the knowledge of the Holy One. That's where I got the idea that he's just worn out, beat down, of just not, not getting it with God. I don't have the knowledge of the Holy One. But clearly he wants to. My uh, sister, I drove her home from work a couple days ago. I was asking you, you know, what have you been doing lately? What's what's a hobby you've had? And uh, she's 18, lives with my parents, and and she said that she bought a Lego set the other day. And I said, that's good, okay. Uh, and she said, yeah, it was over $200. And I was like, for Legos? Wow, okay. Uh, but she's got a, She's got a job, and and she's she's making money, and so she's spending some of it, and. And I said, well, how's it going? That's a big Lego set, and uh, is it going well? And she said, I got frustrated. I threw it in the garage. (laughs) I said, you did? You didn't even finish it? And she goes, no. I I got 50 pieces put together, and I just threw the whole box in the garage, and I gave up on it. And she was just worn out and tired with it because she just couldn't figure out how it worked. She felt like it didn't have all the right pieces. And and, uh, I just thought about that right now as we're looking at this with Agar. I mean, that's Agur. He's, just, he's frustrated and he's discouraged because he just, he just like, I'm just too dumb. I can't figure it out. I, 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 I don't have the right pieces. I, something's going wrong. He's just trying to understand. And he can't understand. I can totally relate to this. I, I don't know if you can, but this is absolutely relatable. And sometimes the theology just doesn't make sense. You just you want to know your Bible well, but it's like some things just come to me, some things just click for me, and, and maybe theology just isn't that for you. Or just the chronology of how the, the biblical narrative works. You know, like when does first and second Kings fit in with chronicles and, and and where does Job fit? And I just can never keep it. You know what I mean? Maybe that's you. And you're just like Job, like I just can't figure it out. No matter how hard I try to read my Bible, I read my one year Bible every year, and I still it just doesn't click for me. That's agar. That's agar. And it really brought agar to a place of discouragement. Can I say maybe even self-hatred? He didn't like the person in the mirror. He said, I'm just so stupid. That just grieves my heart to, you know, think somebody's feeling that way. Especially as they're just trying to understand and search for God. So if that's you just encourage you, fill yourself up with scripture that tells you how valuable you are to God. Really, just make that your next Bible study. Find scriptures that just speak to how valuable you are in the sight of God. It will blow you away. I mean, just start with the first page. In Genesis 1, you are the crown of all God's creation. He made the world and the stars and the galaxies. He made the running water and all the animals and the crown of creation. He waited for you and me to be the crown of all creation, the the pinnacle, the last thing, the cherry on top. That's you. You are an image bearer of God. God the designer of everything. Matthew 6 talks about how God cares for the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field, and yet how much more does He care for you who is of far greater value? Just search the Bible for all these scriptures. If you're just down on yourself about self-hatred, search the Bible. You will find God's crazy about you. God loves you. He has designed you intentionally. It's an amazing thing. There's so many reasons to love yourself. Not in a sinful, prideful way, but just because you see in yourself the beauty of your designer. Agar needs to see that. But, but even, even with that, it seems to me that Agar thinks he's dumb, but is actually much smarter than he realizes. Really. Just look at verses 2 and 3 again. I'd say the average man has no concern about his sin, about his lack of running for God. He he shrugs his shoulder and says, I don't really care if I go to church on Sunday. I I don't really care if I read my Bible. The average man, the average person in this world couldn't care less. Yet that's not Agar. Agar cares deeply, doesn't he? He cares deeply. I think he's farther along than he thinks he is. And he's, uh, he's aware of his flaws. He's aware of his neediness for God. He says, God, I'm weary. I don't know everything. A lot of people think they know everything. So I think Agur's farther along than he maybe gives himself credit for. And yet, nevertheless, Agur asks a series of questions to prove how little he does know. He's really just adamant about this point. He doesn't know much. And so he asks a series of questions in verse 4 to kind of like prove how little he knows. He says, who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the winds in his fist? Who's wrapped up the waters in his garments? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? He's talking to God. Surely you know. And this is a really interesting verse. It took me a long time just kind of pondering. What is he asking here? What's what's he doing? Remember the reason he's asking these questions is to show how little he knows about God. I don't know much. I'll prove it. And he asks a bunch of rhetorical questions. He shows that he's not able to go up to heaven. All right, that's the first question. Who's ascended to heaven and, and who's come down? Basically, who's gone up there, met with God, sat down with pencil and paper and had 60 minutes interview with, with God to come back down and share it with man? He's like, I haven't. I don't know anything about God. He knows, he knows there's some being out there, some deity who can gather the winds in his fists who's wrapped up the waters in his garments. He knows there's some God out there who has established all the ends of the earth, but he doesn't know him. I don't know him. I haven't gone up to heaven, met him, and come back down. I think he does teach us a valuable lesson, and it's a lesson you and I really need to hear. That you can know things about God, but not have a relationship with him. See that? Agra could just list off a number of things that are absolutely true about God, aren't they? I mean, God is the one who gathers the winds with his fists. He's wrapped up the waters in his garments. God is the one who's established the ends of the earth. He knows these things about God, and yet you can know things about God and not know God. So veteran Christian, can I talk to you? Don't hang your salvation on the fact that you're good at Bible trivia. Really. D- don't, don't hang your confidence in your salvation on your ability to memorize Scripture. D- don't hang your confidence in your salvation on the fact that you can flip to that verse and find it really quick. You can know things about God and not know God know God. You have to know God. I think in asking these questions, again, Agar really shows that he's better off than he feels he is. He feels he's he's dumb. He doesn't know anything. But I think he actually shows the exact opposite. Notice the very end of verse 4. He's like, I just don't know God. I need to know God. (laughs) And he says, what is his name? We know it's Yahweh. And then he says, what is his son's name? Pause. Hold on for a second. Agur wrote in the Old Testament. You tell me another place in Scripture in the Old Testament that talks about the Son of God. And yet, Agar, verse 1, he prophesied revelation from God to people. That God has a son. And we need to know his name. Wow. Agra thinks he doesn't have anything to offer. Agra thinks he doesn't know anything. God illuminated his mind. To know there is a son of God. And there is God. And he needs to know his name. I think that's absolutely amazing. It teaches us that. You can't know God without knowing the Son. You hear that? You can't know God without knowing His Son. Jesus says it this way, that no one comes to the Father but through me. Agar's saying that. I need to know God. I need to know His Son. The question is, do you know Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Because without Jesus, I don't know the Father. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Do I know Jesus? And again, I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? Can you rattle off facts about Jesus? Virgin born, first century, carpenter son, died around 33 years old, crucified under Pontius Pilate, not asking if you can rattle off knowledge about Jesus. I'm asking, do you know Him relationally? Do you walk through life with Him? Do you call on His name for salvation, for your sins? So Agur so far has just revealed how lowly He is, His humble state. You're and I's humble state. He's weak. Feeble, worn down. It's verse one. And he doesn't know much. Verse two and three. Four. I love this. Even though Agar knows his own problems, he also knows God God is his solution. It's verse five. Look at what he has to say about God. He says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. You see what he's doing here? He's saying, God's the solution to my problems. I have this lacking, and he fills it up for me. What were, his, what were his two problems that he's mentioned? He doesn't know much. He doesn't know much at all. He says, I'm too stupid. I don't have much understanding. It's a knowledge problem. It's the first one. Second one, he's weary. He's worn down. He's physically depleted. What are the two things he wants to celebrate about God? He knows everything, and he's strong. He meets my need. Do you see this? I'm lowly. I'm not enough. He's high and exalted. and He's enough. He meets my need. Verse 2, I'm stupid. I don't know anything. Verse 5, he's always right. He knows everything. His word always proves true. He's never gotten an answer wrong. Though we are mentally limited, we're unaware of things, this is not the case with God, is it? He knows what your tomorrow looks like. Did you know that? God knows what your tomorrow looks like, and He knows it because He's the one who planned it. So, therefore, we should take his word at face value. Don't add from it. Don't subtract from it. Just accept it. Verse 6. If we go to verse 6, he says, do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. He's saying, trust his word. He knows. He's the one who knows. But not only does he know, but God is a strong fortress for our weakness. Go back to verse 5 the second part. He says that he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He says, I'm weak, I'm worn out, I'm feeble. Thank God he is a shield for the weak and feeble. Amen? This is the God that we serve. This is who God is for our benefit. Because he loves us. Proverbs 18, verse 10, he says this as well, just in another way. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the name of Jesus. It's a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it. and He's safe. He's safe. So yes, I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm worn out. But God is a shield. God is strong. God is a protector. So, w- what can we learn from these six verses? <clears throat> well, you might be... Discontent with what you know. God knows everything. Trust his word. You might not understand why things happen the way they do. You might not understand a lot of things about how life goes about, but trust his word. He's never been wrong. We might not have all the answers. We don't have to. We expect ourselves to. We don't have to. (coughs) God has all the answers. Trust his word. And you may be weak, weary, just spent. Maybe you came in here and you are just spent. Christ is a sufficient strength. In whom you can take refuge. Simply put, trust him in everything. Trust him in everything. Not in yourself, but to lean on him. And so if you're weary and worn out, particularly, I just really want to hone in on you in these last minute or two. If you're weary, worn down, discouraged with your walk with Jesus, Christ is calling you through this text in the Old Testament. Christ is calling you to take refuge in him. To run to him and and to just stay at his feet as long as you need to to find that rest. And then come back tomorrow to continue finding rest in him. When you do this, there is no promise that life is going to be easy. Please hear me that say that. Th- this is not a promise when you just run to Jesus and you cling to him because life is hard. It doesn't mean that he's going to make it easy on you. I appreciate this quote from Jonathan Edwards I threw it in here right before service. um, People started showing up. It says, God will never fail those who trust in him. But don't be surprised or think some strange thing has happened to you. If after a time of light, clouds and darkness return again. Constant sunshine is not usual in this world, even for God's true saints. Running and clinging to the feet of Jesus does not mean or promise that life is going to be easy. What it promises is that he will never leave you nor forsake you through it. He won't drop you. He won't let you go. And your salvation isn't dependent on you figuring it all out. Your salvation is dependent on his strength as a shield and a tall tower. He is our refuge and he is our strength just want to encourage you with that text. And next, t- next week, we're going to go through verses 7, I think, through 9. Um, it's going to be a few weeks. That we're going to be in Proverbs 30. There's so much here. So, But for now, let me pray for us, and I think we'll have one more song. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at ethanyibc.com.